letter eleven of red gauntlet by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah letter eleven the same to the same you are now to conceive us proceeding in our different directions across the bare downs yonder flies little benjy to the northward with hemp scampering at his heels both running as if for dear life so long as the rogue is within sight of his employer and certain to take the walk very easy so soon as he is out of ken stepping westward you see maggie's tall form and high-crowned hat relieved by the fluttering of her plaid upon the left shoulder darkening as the distance diminishes her size and as the level sunbeams begin to sink upon the sea she is taking her quiet journey to the shepherd's bush then stoutly striding over the lee you have a full view of darcy latimer with his new acquaintance wandering willie who baiting that he touched the ground now and then with his staff not in a doubtful groping manner but with the confident air of an experienced pilot heaving the lead when he has the surroundings by heart walks as firmly and boldly as if he possessed the eyes of argus there they go each with his violin slung at his back but one of them at least totally ignorant whither their course is directed and wherefore did you enter so keenly into such a mad frolic says my wise counsellor why i think upon the whole that as a sense of loneliness and a longing for that kindness which is interchanged in society led me to take up my temporary residence at mount sharon the monotony of my life there the quiet simplicity of the conversation of the gettyses and the uniformity of their amusements and employments wearied out my impatient temper and prepared me for the first escapade which chance might throw in my way what would i have given that i could have procured that solemn grave visage of thine to dignify this joke as it has done full many a one of thine own thou hast so happy a knack of doing the most foolish things in the wisest manner that thou mightest pass thy extravagances for rational actions even in the eyes of prudence herself from the direction which my guide observed i began to suspect that the dell at broken burn was our probable destination and it became important to me to consider whether i could with propriety or even perfect safety intrude myself again upon the hospitality of my former host i therefore asked willie whether we were bound for the lairds as folk called him do ye ken the laird said willie interrupting a sonata of corelli of which he had whistled several bars with great precision i know the laird a little said i and therefore i was doubting whether i ought to go to his town in disguise i should doubt not a little only but a great deal before i took ye there my chap said wandering willie for i am thinking it would be worth little less than broken bones both to you and me no no chap we are no ganging to the lairds but to a blithe burling at the broken burn foot where there will be many a brawl lad and lass and maybe there may be some of the lairds folks for he never comes to six floors himself he is all for fowling piece and salmon spear now that pike and musket are out of the question he has been at soldier then said i i's warrant him a soldier answered willie but take my advice and spear as little about him 
as he does about you best to let sleeping dogs lie better say nothing about the laird my man and tell me instead what sort of a chap ye are that ye are so ready to cleek in with an old gubberlunzy fiddler maggie says ye're gentle but a shilling makes all the difference that maggie cans between a gentle and a semple and your crowns would make ye a prince of the blood in her eyne but i am one that can fool well that ye may wear good clothes and have a soft hand and yet that may come of idleness as well as gentries i told him my name with the same addition i had formerly given to mr joshua geddes that i was a law student tired of my studies and rambling about for exercise and amusement and are ye in the want of drawing up with all the gangrel bodies that ye meet on the high road or find cowering in a sand bunker upon the links demanded willie oh no only with honest folks like yourself willie was my reply honest folks like me how do ye ken whether i am honest or what i am i may be the devil himself for what ye ken for he has power to come disguised like an angel of light and besides he is a prime fiddler he played a sonata to corelli ye ken there was something odd in this speech and the tone in which it was said it seemed as if my companion was not always in his constant mind or that he was willing to try if he could frighten me i laughed at the extravagance of his language however and asked him in reply if he was fool enough to believe that the foul fiend could play so silly a masquerade ye ken little about it little about it said the old man shaking his head and beard and knitting his brows i could tell ye something about that what his wife mentioned of his being a tale-teller as well as a musician now occurred to me and as you know i like tales of superstition i begged to have a specimen of his talent as we went along it is very true said the blind man that when i am tired of scraping therm or singing balance i whiles make a tale serve the turn among the country bodies and i have some fearsome ones that make the old carlines shake on the settle and the bits of bairns skirl on their minis out from their beds but this that i am going to tell you was a thing that befell in our own house in my father's time that is my father was then a halfland's callant and i tell it to you that it may be a lesson to you that are but a young thoughtless chap what ye draw up with on a lonely road for muckle was the duel and care that came out to my good sire he commenced his tale accordingly in a distinct narrative of voice which he raised and depressed with considerable skill at times sinking almost into a whisper and turning his clear but sightless eyeballs upon my face as if it had been possible for him to witness the impression which his narrative made upon my features i will not spare you a syllable of it although it be of the longest so i make a dash and begin wandering willie's tale ye maun have heard of sir robert redgauntlet of that ilk who lived in these parts before the dear years the country will long mind him and our fathers used to draw breath thick if ever they heard him named he was out with the highlandmen in montrose's time and again he was in the hills with glencarn in the sixteen hundred and fifty trois and so when king charles the second came in what was in sick favour as the laird of redgauntlet he was knighted at lunnon court 
with the king's own sword and being a red-hot prelatist he came down here rampaging like a lion with commissions of lieutenancy and of lunacy for what i can to put down all the whigs and covenanters in the country wild wark they made of it for the whigs were as dour as the cavaliers were fierce and it was which should first tire the other red gauntlet was i for the strong hand and his name is kenned as wide in the country as claverhouses or tam dalyells glen nor dargal nor mountain nor cave could hide the poor hill-folk when red gauntlet was out with bugle and bloodhound after them as if they had been so many deer and troth when they found him they didna make muckle more ceremony than a highlandman with a roebuck it was just will ye take the test if not make ready present fire and there lay the recusant far and wide was sir robert hated and feared men thought he had a direct compact with satan that he was proof against steel and that bullets hopped off his buff coat like hailstones from a hearth that he had a mirror that would turn a hair on the side of carafragans a precipitous side of a mountain in moffatdale and muckle to the same purpose of whilk more anon the best blessing they warred on him was devil scalp with red gauntlet he wasna a bad master to his own folk though and was well enough liked by his tenants and as for the lackeys and troopers that raid out with him to the persecutions as the whigs called those killing times they would have drunken themselves blind to his health at any time now you are ken that my good sire lived on red gauntlet's ground they called the place primrose no we had lived on the ground and under the red gauntlets since the riding days and long before it was a pleasant bit and i think the air is cholerer and fresher there than anywhere else in the country it's all deserted now and i sat on the broken door-cheek three days since and was glad i couldna see the plight the place was in but that's all wide of the mark there dwelt my good sire steenie steenson a rambling rattling chiel he had been in his young days and could play well on the pipes he was famous at hoopers and girders a cumberland couldna touch him at jockey latin and he had the finest finger for the back lilt between berwick and carlisle the like of steenie wasna the sort that they made wigs of and so he became a tory as they call it which we now call jacobites just out of a kind of necessity that he might belong to some side or other he had no ill-will to the wig bodies and liked little to see the blood run though being obliged to follow sir robert in hunting and hoisting watching and warding he saw muckle mischief and maybe did some that he couldna avoid now steenie was a kind of favourite with his master and canned all the folks about the castle and was often sent for to play the pipes when they were at their merriment old dougal Macallum, the butler that had followed sir robert through good and ill thick and thin pool and stream was specially fond of the pipes and i gave my good sire his good word with the laird for dougal could turn his master round his finger well round came the revolution and it had like to have broken the hearts both of dougal and his master but the change was not altogether so great as they feared and other folk thought for the whigs made an unco crying what they would do with their old enemies and in special with sir robert red gauntlet 
but there were over many great folks dipped in the same doings to make a spick and span new world so parliament passed it all over easy and sir robert baiting that he was held to hunting foxes instead of covenanters remained just the man he was the caution and moderation of king william the third and his principles of unlimited toleration deprived the cameronians of the opportunity they ardently desired to retaliate the injuries which they had received during the reign of prelacy and purify the land as they called it from the pollution of blood they esteemed the revolution therefore only a half measure which neither comprehended the rebuilding the kirk in its full splendour nor the revenge of the death of the saints on their persecutors his revel was as loud and his hall as well lighted as ever it had been though maybe he lacked the fines of the nonconformists that used to come to stock his larder and cellar for it is certain he began to be keener about the rents than his tenants used to find him before and they behooved to be prompt to the rent-day or else the laird wasna pleased and he was sick an awesome body that nobody cared to anger him for the oaths he swore and the rage that he used to get into and the looks that he put on made men sometimes think him a devil incarnate well my good sire was no manager no that he was a very great misguider but he hadna the saving gift and he got twa terms rent in arrear he got the first brash at whitsunday put over with fair word and piping but when martin mass came there was a summons from the grand officer to come with the rent on a day precise or else steenie behooved to flit sore work he had to get the siller but he was well friended and at last he got the whole scraped together a thousand mercs the most of it was from a neighbour they called larry laprake a sly tod larry had wealth of gear could hunt with the hound and run with the hare and be whig or tory saint or sinner as the wind stood he was a professor in this revolution world but he liked an aura sof of this world and a tune on the pipes well enough at a by-time and a bone all he thought he had good security for the siller he lent my good sire over the stocking at primrose no away trots my good sire to red gauntlet castle with a heavy purse and a light heart glad to be out of the laird's danger well the first thing he learned at the castle was that sir robert had fretted himself into a fit of the gout because he did not appear before twelve o'clock it wasna altogether for sake of the money dougal thought but because he didna like to part with my good sire off the ground dougal was glad to see steenie and brought him into the great oak parlour and there sat the laird his leesome lane excepting that he had beside him a great ill-favoured jackanape that was a special pet of his a cankered beast it was and many an ill-natured trick it played ill to please it was and easily angered ran about the whole castle chattering and yowling and pinching and biting folk specially before ill weather or disturbances in the state sir robert called it major weir after the warlock that was burnt a celebrated wizard executed at edinburgh for sorcery and other crimes and few folk liked either the name or the conditions of the creature they thought there was something in it by ordinaire and my good sire was not just easy in mind when the door shut on him and he saw himself in the room with nobody but the laird dougal maccallum 
and the major a thing that hadna chanced to him before sir robert sat or i should say lay in a great armed chair with his grand velvet gown and his feet on a cradle for he had both gout and gravel and his face looked as gash and ghastly as satan's major weir sat opposite to him in a red-laced coat and the laird's wig on his head and i as sir robert gurned with pain the jackanape gurned too like a sheep's head between a pair of tongs an ill-fared fearsome couple they were the laird's buff coat was hung on a pin behind him and his broadsword and his pistols within reach for he keep it up the old fashion of having the weapons ready and a horse saddled day and night just as he used to do when he was able to loop on horseback and away after any of the hill folk he could get sparings of some said it was for fear of the wigs taking vengeance but i judge it was just his old custom he wasna given to fear anything the rental book with its black cover and brass clasps was lying beside him and a book of skulduddery songs was put betwixt the leaves to keep it open at the place where it bore evidence against the good man of primrose no as behind the hand with his mails and duties sir robert gave my good sire a look as if he would have withered his heart in his bosom ye mon ken he had a way of bending his brows that men saw the visible mark of a horse's shoe in his forehead deep dinted as if it had been stamped there are ye come light-handed ye son of a tomb whistle said sir robert zounds if you are my good sire with as good a countenance as he could put on made a leg and placed the bag of money on the table with a dash like a man that does something clever the laird drew it to him hastily is it all here steenie man your honour will find it right said my good sire here dougal said the laird give steenie a toss of brandy downstairs till i count the siller and write the receipt but they were now well out of the room when sir robert gived a yellock that guard the castle rock back ran dougal in flew the livery men yell on yell gived the laird ilk one more awful than the other my good sire knew not whether to stand or flee but he ventured back into the parlour where all was goin hurdy-gurdy nobody to say come in or go out terribly the laird roared for cold water to his feet and wine to cool his throat and hell 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 and its flames was i the word in his mouth they brought him water and when they plunged his swollen feet into the tub he cried out it was burning and folks say that it did bubble and sparkle like a seething cauldron he flung the cup at dougal's head and said he had given him blood instead of burgundy and sure enough the lass washed clotted blood off the carpet the next day the jackanape they called major weir it gibbered and cried as if it was mocking its master my good sire's head was like to turn he forgot both siller and receipt and downstairs he banged but as he ran the shrieks came faint and fainter there was a deep-drawn shivering groan and word gaved through the castle that the laird was dead well away came my good sire with his finger in his mouth and his best hope was that dougal had seen the money-bag and heard the laird speak of writing the receipt the young laird now sir john came from edinburgh 
to see things put to rights sir john and his father never greed well sir john had been bred an advocate and afterwards sat in the last scots parliament and voted for the union having gotten it was thought a rug of the compensations if his father could have come out of his grave he would have brained him for it on his own hearthstone some thought it was easier counting with the old rough knight than the fair-spoken young one but more of that anon dougal Macallum, poor body neither grat nor grained but gaved about the house looking like a corpse but directing as was his duty all the order of the grand funeral now dougal looked i war and wars when night was coming and was i the last to gang to his bed whilk was in a little round just opposite the chamber of dais whilk his master occupied while he was living and where he now lay in state as they called it well a day the night before the funeral dougal could keep his own counsel no longer he came down with his proud spirit and fairly asked old hutcheon to sit in his room with him for an hour when they were in the round dougal took a toss of brandy to himself and gave another to hutcheon and wished him all health and long life and said that for himself he wasna long for this world for that every night since sir robert's death his silver call had sounded from the state chamber just as it used to do at nights in his lifetime to call dougal to help to turn him in his bed dougal said that being alone with the dead on that floor of the tower for nobody cared to wake sir robert redgauntlet like another corpse he had never dared to answer the call but that now his conscience checked him for neglecting his duty for though death breaks service said Macallum, it shall never break my service to sir robert and i will answer his next whistle so be you will stand by me hutcheon hutcheon had no will to the work but he had stood by dougal in battle and broil and he would not fail him at this pinch so down the carles sat over a stoop of brandy and hutcheon who was something of a clerk would have read a chapter of the bible but dougal would hear nothing but a blood of davy lindsay whilk was the war preparation when midnight came and the house was quiet as the grave sure enough the silver whistle sounded as sharp and shrill as if sir robert was blowing it and up got the twa old serving-men and tottered into the room where the dead man lay hutcheon saw enough at the first glance for there were torches in the room which showed him the foul fiend in his own shape sitting on the laird's coffin over he cowped as if he had been dead he could not tell how long he lay in a trance at the door but when he gathered himself he cried on his neighbour and getting no answer raised the house when dougal was found lying dead within twa steps of the place where his master's coffin was placed as for the whistle it was gang ones and i but many a time was it heard at the top of the house on the bartizan and among the old chimneys and turrets where the howlets have their nests sir john hushed the matter up and the funeral passed over without more boglewark but when all was o'er and the laird was beginning to settle his affairs every tenant was called up for his arrears and my good sire for the full sum that stood against him in the rental book well away he trots to the castle to tell his story and there he is introduced to sir john sitting in his father's chair in deep mourning with weepers and hanging cravat and a small wall-ring rapier by his side instead of the old broadsword 
that had a hundred weight of steel about it what with blade chape and basket hilt i have heard their communing so often told over that i almost think i was there myself though i couldna be born at the time in fact alan my companion mimicked with a good deal of humour the flattering conciliating tone of the tenant's address and the hypocritical melancholy of the laird's reply his grandfather he said had while he spoke his eye fixed on the rental book as if it were a mastiff dog that he was afraid would spring up and bite him i was ye joy sir of the head seat and the white loaf and the braid lairdship your father was a kind man to friends and followers muckle grace to you sir john to fill his shoon his boots i should say for he seldom wore shoon unless it were mules when he had the gout ay steenie quoth the laird sighing deeply and putting his napkin to his eyn his was a sudden call and he will be missed in the country no time to set his house in order well prepared godward no doubt which is the root of the matter but left us behind a tangled heap to wind steenie hem hem we maun go to business steenie much to do and little time to do it in here he opened the fatal volume i have heard of a thing they call doomsday book i am clear it has been a rental of back-ganging tenants stephen said sir john still in the same soft sleeket tone of voice stephen stevenson or steenson ye are down here for a year's rent behind the hand due at last term stephen please your honour sir john i paid it to your father sir john ye took a receipt then doubtless stephen and can produce it stephen indeed i hadna time and it like your honour for no sooner had i set down the siller and just as his honour sir robert that's given drew it till him to count it and write out the receipt he was taken with the pains that removed him that was unlucky said sir john after a pause but ye may be paid it in the presence of somebody i want but a talus qualis evidence stephen i would go over strictly to work with no poor man stephen troth sir john there was nobody in the room but dougal Macallum the butler but as your honour kens he has even followed his old master very unlucky again stephen said sir john without altering his voice a single note the man to whom ye paid the money is dead and the man who witnessed the payment is dead too and the siller which should have been to the fore is neither seen nor heard tell of in the repositories how am i to believe all this stephen i dinna ken your honour but there is a bit memorandum note of the very coins for god help me i had to borrow out of twenty purses and i am sure that ilka man there set down will take his grit oath for what purpose i borrowed the money sir john i have little doubt ye borrowed the money steenie it is the payment to my father that i want to have some proof of stephen the siller maun be about the house sir john and since your honour never got it and his honour that was canna have taken it with him maybe some of the family may have seen it sir john we will examine the servant stephen that is but reasonable but lackey and lass and page and groom all denied stoutly that they had ever seen such a bag of money as my good sire described what was were he had unluckily not mentioned to any living soul of them his purpose of paying his rent as queen had noticed something under his arm 
but she took it for the pipes sir john redgauntlet ordered the servants out of the room and then said to my good sire now steenie ye see ye have fair play and as i have little doubt ye ken better where to find the siller than any other body i beg in fair terms and for your own sake that you will end this fashery for stephen ye maun pay or flit the lord forgive your opinion said stephen driven almost to his wits end i am an honest man so am i stephen said his honour and so are all the folks in the house i hope but if there be a knave amongst us it must be he that tells the story he cannot prove he paused and then added more sternly if i understand your trick sir you want to take advantage of some malicious reports concerning things in this family and particularly respecting my father's sudden death thereby to cheat me out of the money and perhaps take away my character by insinuating that i have received the rent i am demanding where do you suppose this money to be i insist upon knowing my good sire saw everything look so muckle against him that he grew nearly desperate however he shifted from one foot to another looked to every corner of the room and made no answer speak out sirrah said the laird assuming a look of his father's a very particular one which he had when he was angry it seemed as if the wrinkles of his frown made that self-same fearful shape of a horse's shoe in the middle of his brow speak out sir i will know your thoughts do you suppose that i have this money far be it from me to say so said stephen do you charge any of my people with having taken it i would be loath to charge them that may be innocent said my good sire and if there be any one that is guilty i have no proof somewhere the money must be if there is a word of truth in your story said sir john i ask where you think it is and demand a correct answer in hell if you will have my thoughts of it said my good sire driven to extremity in hell with your father his jackanape and his silver whistle down the stairs he ran for the parlour was no place for him after such a word and he heard the laird swearing blood and wounds behind him as fast as ever did sir robert and roaring for the bailey and the baron officer away rode my good sire to his chief creditor him they called larry laprake to try if he could make anything out of him but when he told his story he got but the worst word in his wame thief beggar and divor were the safest terms and to the boot of these hard terms larry brought up the old story of his dipping his hand in the blood of god's saints just as if a tenant could have helped riding with the laird and that a laird like sir robert redgauntlet my good sire was by this time far beyond the bounds of patience and while he and larry were at devil's speed the liars he was one chancy enough to abuse laprake's doctrine as well as the man and said things that guard folk's flesh grew that heard them he wasna just himself and he had lived with a wild set in his day at last they parted and my good sire was to ride home through the wood of pitmurky that is all full of black firs as they say i ken the wood but the firs may be black or white for what i can tell at the entry of the wood there is a wild common and on the edge of the common a little lonely change-house that was keep it then by an ostler wife they should have called her tibby faw 
and there poor steenie cried for a munchkin of brandy for he had had no refreshment the whole day tibby was earnest with him to take a bite of meat but he couldna think of it nor would he take his foot out of the stirrup and took off the brandy wholly at twa draughts and named a toast at each the first was the memory of sir robert redgauntlet and might he never lie quiet in his grave till he had righted his poor bond tenant and the second was a health to man's enemy if he would but get him back the pock of siller or tell him what came of it for he saw the whole world was like to regard him as a thief and a cheat and he took that worse than even the ruin of his house and hold on he rode little caring where it was a dark night turned and the trees made it yet darker and he let the beast take its own road through the wood when all of a sudden from tired and wearied that it was before the nag began to spring and flee and stand that my good sire could hardly keep the saddle upon the whilk a horseman suddenly riding up beside him said that's a metal beast of yours friend will you sell him so saying he touched the horse's neck with his riding-wand and it fell into its old high-ho of a stumbling trot but his spunk's soon out of him i think continued the stranger and that is like many a man's courage that thinks he would do great things till he come to the proof my good sire scarce listened to this but spurred his horse with good even to you friend but it's like the stranger was one that does not lightly yield his point for ride as steenie liked he was i beside him at the self-same pace at last my good sire steenie steenson grew half angry and to say the truth half feared what is it that ye want with me friend he said if ye be a robber i have no money if ye be a leal man wanting company i have no heart to mirth or speaking and if ye want to ken the road i scarce ken it myself if you will tell me your grief said the stranger i am one that though i have been sore miscarried in the world am the only hand for helping my friends so my good sire to ease his own heart more than from any hope of help told him the story from beginning to end it's a hard pinch said the stranger but i think i can help you if you could lend the money sir and take a long day i can no other help on earth said my good sire but there may be some under the earth said the stranger come i'll be frank with you i could lend you the money on bond but you would maybe scruple my terms now i can tell you that your old laird is disturbed in his grave by your curses and the wailing of your family and if ye dare venture to go to see him he will give you the receipt my good sire's hair stood on end at this proposal but he thought his companion might be some humorsome shield that was trying to frighten him and might end with lending him the money besides he was bold with brandy and desperate with distress and he said he had courage to go to the gate of hell and a step farther for that receipt the stranger laughed well they rode on through the thickest of the wood when all of a sudden the horse stopped at the door of a great house and but that he knew the place was ten miles off my father would have thought he was at redgauntlet castle they rode into the outer courtyard through the muckle folding yets and beneath the old portcullis 
and the whole front of the house was lighted and there were pipes and fiddles and as much dancing and deray within as used to be at sir robert's house at pace and yule and such high seasons they lap off and my good sire as seemed to him fastened his horse to the very ring he had tied him to that morning when he goed to wait on the young sir john god said my good sire if sir robert's death be but a dream he knocked at the hall door just as he was wont and his old acquaintance dougal mccallum just after his wont too came to open the door and said piper steenie are ye there lad sir robert has been crying for you my good sire was like a man in a dream he looked for the stranger but he was gone for the time at last he just tried to say ha dougal driveover are ye living i thought ye had been dead never fash yourself with me said dougal but look to yourself and see ye take nothing from anybody here neither meat drink or siller except just the receipt that is your own so saying he led the way out through halls and trances that were well canned to my good sire and into the old oak parlour and there was as much singing of profane songs and burling of red wine and speaking blasphemy and skulduddery as had ever been in red gauntlet castle when it was at the blithest but lord take us in keeping what a set of ghastly revellers they were that sat around that table my good sire kenned many that had long before gone to their place for often had he piped to the most part in the hall of red gauntlet there was the fierce middleton and the dissolute roths and the crafty lauderdale and daliel with his bald head and a beard to his girdle and earlshall with cameron's blood on his hand and wild bonshaw that tied blessed mr cargill's limbs till the blood sprang and dunbarton douglas the twice turned traitor both to country and king there was the bloody advocate mckenny who for his worldly wit and wisdom had been to the rest as a god and there was claverhouse as beautiful as when he lived with his long dark curled locks streaming down over his laced buff coat and his left hand always on his right spool-blade to hide the wound that the silver bullet had made he sat apart from them all and looked at them with a melancholy haughty countenance while the rest hallooed and sang and laughed that the room rang but their smiles were fearfully contorted from time to time and their laugh passed into such wild sounds as made my good sire's very nails grow blue and chilled the marrow in his bones they that waited at the table were just the wicked serving-men and troopers that had done their work and cruel bidding on earth there was the long lad of the nether town that helped to take argyle and the bishop's summoner that they called the devil's rattle-bag and the wicked guardsmen in their laced coats and the savage highland amorites that shed blood like water and many a proud serving-man haughty of heart and bloody of hand cringing to the rich and making them wickeder than they would be grinding the poor to powder when the rich had broken them to fragments and many many more were coming and ganging all as busy in their vocation as if they had been alive sir robert redgauntlet in the midst of all this fearful riot cried with a voice like thunder on steenie piper to come to the board-head where he was sitting his legs stretched out before him and swathed up with flannel with his holster pistols aside him 
while the great broadsword rested against his chair just as my good sire had seen him the last time upon earth the very cushion for the jackanape was close to him but the creature itself was not there it wasna its hour it's likely for he heard them say as he came forward is not the major come yet and another answered the jackanape will be here betimes the morn and when my good sire came forward sir robert or his ghost or the devil in his likeness said well piper have ye settled with my son for the year's rent with much ado my father got breath to say that sir john would not settle without his honour's receipt ye shall have that for a tune of the pipes steenie said the appearance of sir robert play us up well hoddled lucky now this was a tune my good sire learned from a warlock that heard it when they were worshipping satan at their meetings and my good sire had sometimes played it at the ranting suppers in red gauntlet castle but never very willingly and now he grew cold at the very name of it and said for excuse he hadna his pipes with him macallum ye limb of beelzebub said the fearful sir robert bring steenie the pipes that i am keeping for him macallum brought a pair of pipes might have served the piper of donald of the isles but he gave my good sire a nudge as he offered them and looking secretly and closely steenie saw that the chanter was of steel and heated to a white heat so he had fair warning not to trust his fingers with it so he excused himself again and said he was faint and frightened and had not wind enough to fill the bag then ye mon eat and drink steenie said the figure for we do little else here and it's ill-speaking between a foeman and a fasting now these were the very words that the bloody earl of douglas said to keep the king's messenger in hand while he cut the head off mcclellan of bombay at the threve castle and that put steenie more and more on his guard so he spoke up like a man and said he came neither to eat or drink or make minstrelsy but simply for his own to ken what was come of the money he had paid and to get a discharge for it and he was so stout-hearted by this time that he charged sir robert for conscience sake he had no power to say the holy name and as he hoped for peace and rest to spread no snares for him but just to give him his own the appearance gnashed its teeth and laughed but it took from a large pocket-book the receipt and handed it to steenie there is your receipt ye pitiful cur and for the money my dog whelp of a son may go look for it in the cat's cradle my good sire uttered many thanks and was about to retire when sir robert roared aloud stop though thou sack-dowdling son of a whore i am not done with thee here we must do nothing for nothing and you must return on this very day twelvemonth to pay your master the homage that you owe me for my protection my father's tongue was loosed of a suddenty and he said aloud i refer myself to god's pleasure and not to yours he had no sooner uttered the word than all was dark around him and he sank on the earth with such a sudden shock that he lost both breath and sense how long steenie lay there he could not tell but when he came to himself he was lying in the old kirkyard of red gauntlet parachin just at the door of the family isle and the scutcheon of the old knight sir robert hanging over his head there was a deep morning fog on grass and gravestone around him and his horse was feeding quietly beside the minister's twa cows steenie would have thought the whole was a dream but he had the receipt in his hand fairly written and signed by the old laird 
only the last letters of his name were a little disorderly written like one seized with sudden pain sorely troubled in his mind he left that dreary place rode through the mist to redgauntlet castle and with much ado he got speech of the laird well you divor bankrupt was the first word have you brought me my rent no answered my good sire i have not but i have brought your honour sir robert's receipt for it wow sirrah sir robert's receipt you told me he had not given you one will your honour please to see if that bit line is right sir john looked at every line and at every letter with much attention and at last at the date which my good sire had not observed from my appointed place he read this twenty-fifth of november what that is yesterday villain thou must have gone to hell for this i got it from your honour's father whether he be in heaven or hell i know not said steenie i will delate you for a warlock to the privy council said sir john i will send you to your master the devil with the help of a tar-barrel and a torch i intend to delate myself to the presbytery said steenie and tell them all i have seen last night whilk are things fitter for them to judge of than a borel man like me sir john paused composed himself and desired to hear the full history and my good sire told it him from point to point as i have told it you word for word neither more nor less sir john was silent again for a long time and at last he said very composedly steenie this story of yours concerns the honour of many a noble family besides mine and if it be a leasing-making to keep yourself out of my danger the least you can expect is to have a red-hot iron driven through your tongue and that will be as bad as scalding your fingers with a red-hot chanter but yet it may be true steenie and if the money cast up i shall not know what to think of it but where shall we find the cat's cradle there are cats enough about the old house but i think they kitten without the ceremony of bed or cradle we were best ask hutcheon said my good sire he kens all the odd corners about as well as another serving-man that is now gone and that i would not like to name a will hutcheon when he was asked told them that a ruinous turret long disused next to the clock-house only accessible by a ladder for the opening was on the outside and far above the battlements was called of old the cat's cradle there will i go immediately said sir john and he took with what purpose heaven kens one of his father's pistols from the hall table where they had lain since the night he died and hastened to the battlements it was a dangerous place to climb for the ladder was old and frail and wanted one or twa rounds however up got sir john and entered at the turret door where his body stopped the only little light that was in the bit turret something flees at him with a vengeance most dang him back over bang goed the knight's pistol and hutcheon that held the ladder and my good sire that stood beside him hears a loud skelloch a minute after sir john flings the body of the jackanape down to them and cries that the siller is found and that they should come up and help him and there was the bag of siller sure enough and many or a thing besides that had been missing for many a day and sir john when he had ripped the turret well led my good sire into the dining-parlour and took him by the hand and spoke kindly to him and said he was sorry he should have doubted his word and that he would hereafter be a good master to him 
to make amends and now steenie said sir john although this vision of yours tend on the whole to my father's credit as an honest man that he should even after his death desire to see justice done to a poor man like you yet you are sensible that ill-dispositioned men might make bad constructions upon it concerning his soul's health so i think we had better lay the whole durdum on that ill-deedy creature major weir and say nothing about your dream in the wood of pitmurky you had taken over muckle brandy to be very certain about anything and steenie this receipt his hand shook while he held it out it's but a queer kind of document and we will do best i think to put it quietly in the fire odd but for as queer as it is it's all the voucher i have for my rent said my good sire who was afraid it may be of losing the benefit of sir robert's discharge i will bear the contents to your credit in the rental book and give you a discharge under my own hand said sir john and that on the spot and steenie if you can hold your tongue about this matter you shall sit from this term downward at an easier rent many thanks to your honour said steenie who saw easily in what corner the wind was doubtless i will be conformable to all your honour's commands only i would willingly speak with some powerful minister on the subject for i do not like the sort of summons of appointment whilk your honour's father do not call the phantom my father said sir john interrupting him well then the thing that was so like him said my good sire he spoke of my coming back to see him this time twelve month and it's a weight on my conscience ah well then said sir john if you be so much distressed in mind you may speak to our minister of the parish he is a douce man regards the honour of our family and the more that he may look for some patronage from me with that my father readily agreed that the receipt should be burnt and the laird threw it into the chimney with his own hand burn it would not for them though but away it flew up the lum with a long train of sparks at its tail and a hissing noise like a squib my good sire go down to the man's and the minister when he had heard this story said it was his real opinion that though my good sire had gone very far in tampering with dangerous matters yet as he had refused the devil's arles for such was the offer of meat and drink and had refused to do homage by piping at his bidding he hoped that if he held a circumspect walk hereafter satan could take little advantage by what was come and gone and indeed my good sire of his own accord long forswore both the pipes and the brandy it was not even till the year was out and the fatal day passed that he would so much as take the fiddle or drink usquebaugh or tippany sir john made up his story about the jackanape as he liked himself and some believe till this day there was no more in the matter than the filching nature of the brute indeed he'll no hinder some to threep that it was none of the old enemy that dougal and my good sire saw in the laird's room but only that one chancy creature the major capering on the coffin and that as to the blying on the laird's whistle that was heard after he was dead the filthy brute could do that as well as the laird himself if no better but heaven kens the truth whilk first came out by the minister's wife after sir john and her own goodman were both in the moulds and then my good sire 
who was failed in his limbs but not in his judgment or memory at least nothing to speak of was obliged to tell the real narrative to his friends for the credit of his good name he might else have been charged for a warlock the shades of evening were growing thicker around us as my conductor finished his long narrative with this moral ye see berkey it is no chancy thing to take a stranger traveller for a guide when you are in an uncouth land i should not have made that inference said i your grandfather's adventure was fortunate for himself whom it saved from ruin and distress and fortunate for his landlord also whom it prevented from committing a gross act of injustice ay but they had both to sup the saucer of it sooner or later said wandering willie what was fristed wasna forgiven sir john died before he was much over threescore and it was just like of a moment's illness and for my good sire though he departed in fulness of life yet there was my father a yauld man of forty-five fell down betwixt the stilts of his plough and raise never again and left no bairn but me a poor sightless fatherless motherless creature could neither work nor want things goed well enough at first for sir redwald redgauntlet the only son of sir john and the oy of old sir robert and woe's me the last of the honourable house took the farm off our hands and brought me into his household to have care of me he liked music and i had the best teachers both england and scotland could give me many a merry year i was with him but woe's me he goed out with other pretty men in the forty-five i'll say no more about it my head never settled well since i lost him and if i say another word about it devil a bar will i have the heart to play the night look out my gentle chap he resumed in a different tone ye should see the lights at broken burn glen by this time End of letter eleven